0: We are on the issue of chapter 5, and the topic, of course, is the issue of personal Bible study. Not somebody else's study, that's right. It's you and God, it's personal, is the whole point. As we saw, that's part of the theme, is with the issue of it being personal. It's something that we should do because we have a personal relationship. With God, the creator of the universe, which, again, I hope is never getting old for any of us here. That's absolutely a mind-blower. And we already saw there on uh, personal chapter 5, page 55, on personal Bible study, we saw, why should I study the Bible? Well, I think it's a great question, Mary Beth, but I think it's uh, pretty obvious, and thanks for asking that. Uh, It's because the Bible is the only book on the planet that can uh, unbrainwash us from the brainwashing we receive from this world. Lies and, and deception and evil and deceit. Does anybody remember what it was like before you got saved? Don't you remember, I, man, I still remember, that. and praise God for that, the, the depression, the, the trying to kill myself three different times, and the darkness, and the, the demons, and the drugs, and the debauchery, and the, the emptiness, the vanity of life. Remember how empty it used to be? It's like, is this it? This is all there is? You just, just get a job to get a bunch of stuff and then die? There's got to be more. Don't you remember that? And that's what. It, and so the Bible is the one that reveals the truth. No, the good news is there's much more to life. God is real, and you really can have a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And that's just the tip of the iceberg that's in the Bible. There's all kinds of things in the Bible. The Bible, of course, doesn't tell us everything about God because there's not enough uh, books in the world that can contain uh, information about God, but it gives us sufficient knowledge of who he is, and uh, certainly salvation, the beginning, the end, all kinds of uh, icing on the cake that God throws in there but we need to get in there if we're going to enrich our walk with him if we're going to be unbrainwashed from all the lies all the deceit that the enemy has planted out there over the last 6,000 years uh, Roughly, so that's why we should study the next page 56 practical reasons Hello for spiritual growth. We saw for spiritual maturity as we saw and for spiritual effectiveness Okay, now we're at the middle of the page of uh, 57 is I believe where we left off. How do I get started? All right? Now, I love that question because I don't know if uh, you guys ever been there, but uh, when I was first saved and uh, I just started reading the Bible, I figured out what you're supposed to do, but as a brand new spanking Christian, I had no clue, where do you start? That's a logical question, right? Don't you remember that? And I literally called my sister, who was the only Christian at the time in the family back in Kansas, and I says, where do you start? She says, I don't know. How about Ephesians. You know, usually, typically, Christianese, as you say, start in the book of John, and then move your way forward, and then flip it over, and, you know, the typical response. And I'm not against that. That's good. She, for some reason, said Ephesians. Now, Ephesians, it just so happens, I said, okay, I'll find that. It took me a while to find it. And I found it, and uh, started reading it, and that was the first time that a verse in the Bible, brand spanking new Christian, popped out at me. And it was Ephesians 3.20, and it's still a verse that blows me away. And uh, that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think of according to his power that works within us. Absolutely mind-blowing. says, what? I, mean, I remember sitting there as a brand new spanking Christian going, man, I can think of a lot. And I'm a dreamer. I can dream of a lot. But God will do not just abundantly, but exceedingly abundantly more than whatever I can come up with. Man, this is exciting. Okay? But you've got to get in there if you're going to find that. But you've got to be methodical about it. Okay? Otherwise, it's just going to stay a good idea. It's just going to say something I need to do, okay? Then we'll go to the other end of the spectrum and just not get started because I just don't know where to go. And we'll just keep putting it off and it just won't happen. The other thing we'll do is we'll, we'll uh, go on guilt or something. Man, I tell you what, Pastor Billy really came back from vacation. He talked about Bible study. He said it's got to be personal. It's got to be daily. And it's not been happening lately. And I, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to impress God. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up, I'm going to read 59 chapters. That's right, 59 chapters. In order to accomplish that, I've already calculated the mathematical time it's going to take to do that before I get to work. And so I'm going to get up at 2.22 in, in the morning, and I'm going to accomplish that. I must read one page per 14 seconds, and I'm going to get this done. I'm going to show God. And, of course, you can't do it. Right? So what you do, here's my point in saying that, by way of humor, is you set unrealistic goals. So you either just don't get started because you don't know how to get started. Okay? Or you set these unrealistic goals like, come on, no, 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 no. Okay, you're not in a marathon race. Just take your time. And again, as we saw before, if something pops out the scripture, even if you only got one verse, stop. Chew on it. Maybe that's the one thing that God wants you to chew on. Because remember, the whole purpose of this is the relationship. We're not just growing in knowledge if we get that far in this lesson. But the whole point is to apply it. Okay? Not just here, it's to work it into here. And sometimes you've got to chew on it. Sometimes you've got to think about it. Sometimes you've got to ponder it. Not just for a second when it pops out. Maybe for a whole week. Maybe that's the only verse that you're chewing on that week. But i got to hurt. You could read through the whole Bible. But if you went at it through such a breakneck speed and you got nothing out of it, meaning nothing changed, you grew in head knowledge, but your life didn't change, you just wasted that whole time. If God's popping a verse out to you, stop, take the time and chew on it. and Say, God, what do you want me to... learn from this what do i need to do we'll we'll get into that so i really like this how do i get started because i think it's really practical here's what he says bible study is carried out in a four-step approach page 57 in the middle there each step is as important as the other and if one is left out there's a danger of in uh, underlying these two words misinterpreting and misapplying okay boy does that happen all the time hey uh can i tell you the reason why there's so many different denominations What, 30,000 plus is there today? Anybody ever wonder that when you first got saved? That's why I love church history. I, I wanted to know. I wanted to go back into church history. How did we get from the 12 disciples to this? Right, and all this separation and stuff that's going on. Well, the problem isn't with the Bible. It's how people interpret the Bible. The Bible's got one message. It just man gets in there, messes it up. We'll take a look at that as to how that happens, okay, is the problem. Okay, let's take a look. Misinterpreting or misimplying the text. The steps are as follows. Number one, prayer for illumination. Number two, observation, 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 which is the same rule as uh, real estate. The important thing is location, location. Same thing when it comes to Bible study. Just pay attention. What does the Bible say? Interpretation. That's important. Okay, I don't know if we talked about this before, but that's the importance of exegesis versus eisegesis. Okay, and uh, you've got your basically prefix here. You've got ex, which means out, ice, which means in or into. Okay, and so basically what we want to do, if we're going to interpret correctly and observe, you let the Bibles speak out to us. What it says, it speaks to us. Now, the problem, the reason why a lot of people get into a lot of problems with the Bible, come up with not just different, all these different denominations and sects and whatever, uh, but all the different false teachings that are out there. Same problem that we're going on here, is they do ice of Jesus. They read into the Bible what's not there, what they think it means. Okay, and we'll get into that hopefully in just a little bit. And of course, number four, application. The whole point is application. Why am I reading this? Because I want to grow deeper in my walk with Jesus Christ. I don't want just some head knowledge so I can go to the next Sunday school class and wow somebody because I memorized when all uh, the, the dates of the, the Jewish uh, kings ruled. Golf clap. I'll give you a golf clap on that one. Yay! That's awesome. I'm not saying I'm against that. But can I ask you the question? How did memorizing all those dates of when the Jewish kings ruled impact your walk with Jesus Christ? You see what I'm saying? I'm not against that. But what's the whole purpose of why we're doing this? It's to learn, it's to grow. Okay, prayer for illumination is the first one here. Illumination means to cast light on. That's your next two blanks there. Cast light. To cast light on. Around 95, some say 96 AD, when the book of Revelation was penned, special revelation ceased. Okay, underline that. Since then, no one has added one verse to the scripture. Now, this is huge. This is another reason. Not just with the difference between exegesis, let the Bible speak out to us, whether you like it, lump it or leave it, God's the one who makes the rules. Okay, number two, and they read into what you're not supposed to do. This is another thing. People say that you get a continued new revelation from God. Okay, now that just adds for the confusion. Okay, for instance, if you were to say that that God is still giving a brand new—I mean, truly, truly from God—a new word outside of this Bible. Okay, uh, can I tell you something? How in the world do you witness to the Mormon now? The Mormon, based on their Book of Mormon, okay, they have two texts that they say that they go by for their source of truth, okay? And it's the Bible, and typically it's only the KJV Bible, typically is what they would say, Uh, but also the Book of Mormon, okay, which uh, is not inspired, and it's very easy, and and I'm actually almost getting close to the point where I'm unpacking my videos, (laughs) And i got these two great videos, and uh, actually i got more than two, uh, just on Mormonism. That's just the videos, not counting the audios or books or whatever. Uh, but if you take a look in the research, uh, the Mormon, uh, Book of Mormon has had 40,000-plus textual changes, okay? How many changes have we had here? Zero. Okay, the Book of Mormon has had 40,000-plus, and I'm not talking just take a word out. I'm talking whole sentences are taken out, whole paragraphs are taken out. You know Why? Because Christians, for the, out the years, for decades, have been going and saying, "Hey, listen! In this part, this is supposed to be from God. This is supposed to be a new revelation of Jesus Christ, and that God, Joseph Smith, supposedly got uh, from uh, this looking at these plates and whatever." And that's a whole other story. And then, uh, so, uh, but this contradicts this and that. And so, what they do is they keep coming out with new versions. I'm not talking a a, a modern version to help understand it better because the English language has changed. I'm talking a brand new version where they deleted whole sections. They've added this because we're helping them fix the contradictions. 40,000, you see what I'm saying? So that proves it's not from God. God doesn't need us to come along and clean it up. Okay, so but here's the point. So if you're trying to to witness to a Mormon and yet you're on on the same breath, you say, oh yes, the Bible is the sole authority for God. Uh, for our rule of final faith and practice, which is our, our doctrinal statement, of course, typical Protestant doctrinal statement. Uh, but then you say, but he's given a new word today. Well, you just lost all basis to witness to the Mormon because that's what they believe the Book of Mormon is, right? It's a new word, and it was given you know, to Joseph Smith. So, so you're opening up Pandora's box. Now, let me give you another uh, couple examples of how that happens. Uh, typically, sometimes in the charismatic community, uh, is where you're going to get that. Not all, but some of them, if I can spell, anyway, uh, charismatic community, they will say typically uh, the Bible as well. Uh, but then they will have that basically that, you know, God gave me a special word and whatever and stuff like that. And, and my question I usually ask is, well, okay, if that's really truly from God, I'm not saying that God can't prompt us to do certain things or, or say, you know, I'm not, not against that. But I mean, they're talking about this is like, might as well just be another book from Paul or something like that, okay? And, uh, well, really, if that's true, then why aren't we writing a new New Testament? I mean, if this is really, really, truly from God, we are doing a disservice to God. We, or You see know what I'm saying? But again, it's like, and so that's what happens. They say, and and then of course, the, 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 the caveat is, said. well, I tested according to the Bible. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But see, what happens is once you start to crack down this road and it's supposed to be just the Bible alone, you're going to get all these things wrong. You're going to get all these different denominations. You're going to get, because you go outside of just, can't we just stick with the Bible? What's wrong with the Bible? Okay, let me give you another one. Uh, sometimes you'll have another group out there, and this is why if you, if you ever tried to witness to a Catholic person, uh, it can be like doing a dance. Okay, Now, the reason why with that is because they have, not just Mormons would have two, Charismatics would have two, Uh, Catholics would have four, okay? Now, the four sources of truth they have, they say, of course, it's the Bible, okay, is what they would say. But then they also go by the rulings of the popes, okay? Then they also go by the rulings of the church councils, okay? And then they also go by the rulings of the early church fathers is what they say. So here's what, it's amazing, because you and I as a Protestant would say, well, that's not what the Bible says. The, The Bible says that you don't go through Mary. You go through Jesus. There's only one mediator, Hebrews is clear, uh, uh, the Jesus Christ. You don't go through Mary, through, you know, to Jesus, then to Mary, then to God. You don't, no. Because we're just, we're quoting Bible. Well, I don't know what you say, but see, you don't understand. See, Pope so-and-so declared in the year, blah, 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 which means nothing to you and I, but to them, that's their source of truth. And then you said, well, then you could discount that. And they said, well, yeah, but you don't understand that the early church council said in 57 7 AD, and if that doesn't work, well, don't you know the early church father so-and-so? Do you see know what I'm saying? is they have different sources of truth, okay? Stick with the Bible. Now, I will add this one there. I put this in my notes. Now, Protestants, that's us. Ha, ha, ha. Boy, we're not guilty of any of this stuff, are we? Yes, that's your sarcasm for this evening. Ha, ha, ha is the giveaway. Okay, now we would say the Bible, right? Yes, that's it. But here's what I've learned in practice that we do. We say it's just the Bible, but mm, there's two things that I've noticed that we have two little games that we play. It's the Bible, but really uh, feelings come in there. See, this is what I feel that it means. You see, what I feel is the fish, there was what, um, when they brought up the net, there was 160-some fish, let's say let's say 172 in, in that text there. I forget where it was in the gospel, but it says 100, 172, and so if you take the 7 and the 2, that's 9, and, and the 10, and they and, had and, and the one with the 10, and then the 10, then you, if you flip that around, that's 0 and 1, and Zero and ones, that's the computer language for computers and with the dots and dashes and this is a secret code. Ron, this is it. That has nothing to do with the fish. It's a secret code that God's trying to tell us that computers are the antichrist. <laughs> hey, what's so funny, man? That's how, that's, I feel that that's what it means. And of course, I'm using a hyperbolic example, but we do that and other things. Well, I, I don't, that's, I, no, I don't feel it's what, no, it's what it says. Let the Bible speak out. God knows what He's doing. He doesn't change the rules, which leads to the other problem—not just with feelings. Okay, then we pulled this one on. This one, to me, is just like, give me a break. You know, the one is, you're just trying to justify your sin. Is what you're doing. Okay, is we try to pull the old cultural. Well, that was a cultural thing. That was only back then. You know, that was the Apostle Paul, who obviously was a feminist, and he had a thing against women, and and that's why he would say that women should not teach men, etc., blah, 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 blah. You know, that's a cultural thing. But today, no, I think God's Word is God's Word. That's the way it says it. But see, so even as Protestants, the reason why we have so many different divisions, so many different denominations, so many different false teachings, and dare I say so many Christians falling for these false teachings, is because we don't do the thing that we're supposed to do and we even say to do and we say that we're going to do, even on our doctrinal statement, and stick with the Bible. Okay? You've got to keep all this in mind when you're coming to the Scripture. Let the Scripture speak out to us. Don't tell it what you think it is or what's convenient, okay? Or don't look for loopholes. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, so, in place of special revelation, however, a work of the Spirit uh, has especially characterized the present age. That work is illumination wherein the holy spirit makes the teachings of the bible clear and applies them to our individual lives and circumstances thus it's essential for us to spend a few minutes of our bible study clearing our our mind is the blank there mind okay now that's important because again what are you doing this is not some marathon race you're not trying to impress god you're not impressing god that's your mindset i just get it done i beat my record okay but i learned nothing no Take your time, clear your mind, what you're about to do. But specifically, what's he say here? And pray for the Holy Spirit to cast his light on his word. Hello, he's the one who inspired men of old to write it, right? That's what the scripture says. Okay, I think he knows the correct interpretation. Okay, and so pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide you. That's something that's taken me, it took years before I caught on to that. And I think it was off of a quote from Martin Luther. And he talked about the importance, before you crack open the Bible, pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom and direction, discernment, that you would rightly understand, and I pray, be impacted today by your truth, okay? I don't want this to be a waste of time. I want to be impacted today. I want to grow closer in my walk with you, Jesus. I want this to be a profitable time in your eyes okay so that's important we're praying and again that's that attitude of dependency remember that was the theme that we've been on lately is not just this is uh, uh, it's an issue of consistency we're getting into the issue of dependency okay that we are dependent upon god to give us and lead us and guide us in the study of the scripture second one observation 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 what do i see okay observation involves digging out the facts now just as digging gold nuggets out of a gold mine anybody ever do that Really? I haven't either. Anyway, so digging out a, gold out a gold mine involves hard work and sweat, okay? Work and sweat is your uh, next blank there. Digging the spiritual gold nuggets out of Scripture involves the same, but boy, is it worth it. Oh, man, I'm getting closer to not just the videos, getting my books unpacked. And in there, I got this whole section just on languages, and man, I love Greek. And uh, if you never have time to take the Greek language and go into it down deep, uh, get one resource. Can I uh, encourage you, please? It's called the Kenneth Wiest Expanded Greek Translation of the New Testament. And basically, he's done all the homework for you. If you don't have time to learn all the verb tensing and all that stuff, uh, then, then get that and read it as a compliment. Read your Bible normally and then follow along and the Expanded Greek Translation and blows it away. Let me give you just one example, a couple examples of how powerful it is. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Okay, A lot of people say, as you turn there, well, I just you know read the Bible, I just don't know, I just don't. Are you kidding me? There's so many different angles, so many different ways in which you can approach the Scripture. It's phenomenal. You think you got it mastered in English? First of all, that's the height, of the pride. Uh, then once you learn the Greek, then it really explodes. You think the English? I had the privilege of teaching for several years through the book of Revelation, the original Greek. Uh, maybe someday I can continue on. Uh, man, you think the English is creepy? You ain't see nothing until you get into the Greek, man. Oh, man, that was Put the hair on your head. It's just, it's just crazy. Okay, so Matthew chapter 7. But then, and then when you're done learning the Greek, then turn around and go and learn the Hebrew. And then when you're done with that, how about get immersed in the Jewish customs and mannerisms because we're not just 2,000 years removed from the New Testament. We're, we're Western mindset. We don't have that Eastern mindset that they have. And you learn that and things pop out. I'll give you another example of that too. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Let me give you an example, okay? Here's what it says there. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open unto you. Okay? Great passage of Scripture. Uh, but let me give you the Greek here in just a second of what it literally says there. Um, the... Uh, uh, and, and as by way of saying that, uh, the word of faith teachers, those guys that would say you just need to pray once and, and trust God for that Cadillac and he'll give it to you. You just got to have the faith, Brother Tom, and, and he'll give it to you and, and you just need to name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and you just got to have the faith and you got to do it. And that, Sometimes they'll quote this, you just ask. It didn't say keep on asking, it said ask. You just ask God and you believe him, trust him, he's going to give it to you. No, you know what that verse really says if you do your homework? The verbs are in the continuance, uh, I believe in the aorist form in the Greek, okay? Here's what it literally says, ask and keep on asking, okay? Uh, and it will be given to you, seek, keep on seeking, okay? And uh, you will find reverently knock, not arrogantly, reverently knock. And the door will be open unto you. Wow, that kind of changes that whole text, doesn't it? Just because you got a little bit into uh, the Greek. And that's what he's talking about. Take the time. Get some tools. Get behind the scripture. Get to know the languages. Do whatever you want. If you sit there, well, oh, I've already been through that passage. Tear it apart. Take time. Remember, what, I mean, that radically changes that passage. I got another one. If we get that far, I'll give you. Just awesome. Now, let me give you a taste of what happens. You're talking about gold nuggets. Take, it takes work, it takes sweat. One of the things that actually offends me, I've gone into Christian Bible stores, uh, and, and, and you'll see that, the 60-minute Bible, okay, and apparently that didn't last too long because they came out with the 60-second the Bible, the 60-second devotion, the six, what in the world are we doing this for? I mean, but that's our mentality, right? I ain't got the time, I just, but I got to do it because I'm feeling guilty, especially after Wednesday night, Pastor Billy's on the Bible study again, I know, I'll go out tonight, and if they're still open by nine, I'll go get that 60-second devotion, yeah. what are we doing this for take your time and not just take your time and read but take your time and do your homework half the time when a verse pops out I go back to the i not only just stop and chew on it stage two is I'm going I'm turning that thing apart give me the Hebrew what's that word mean what's the verbs verbs always seem to pop out you know what I'm saying Ooh, oh oh wow oh, oh, that's good stuff right radically change your walk because you took some time what's he say there work and sweat you weren't flying through it just to get it done. Okay, as if God doesn't know what we're doing. Isn't that the funny thing? It's personal. <laughs> He's with us wherever we go. He sees this whole thing. Okay, and so that's what he says. Let me give you another one. Um, I won't turn the passage there. I'm not sure I Forget what they are except for the second one, John 21, I believe. Remember when Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, uh, when, when Peter uh, is going up to him and Peter denies him three times? Okay. Now in the Gospels it says that at one point Peter was warming himself by a fire. All right. Now in the English that's correct, fire. Okay, fire. That's a good thing. All right. Then it just so happens that when Jesus is asking Peter, "Do you love me?" Okay, three times. Okay. Uh, Jesus is on the on the beach there making a fire. Right. Well, and that's correct translation. But there's what's interesting if you do your homework. Uh, the Greek word there's two different Greek words for fire. One of them is just like a normal fire for fuel that you use sticks and stuff. They would say, you know, it's going to be sticks and, and straw and, you know, burn thrown into the fire. That was a f- fuel source. The, uh, the other Greek word that was used was specifically for charcoal. Okay, now the interesting thing is uh, that's the Greek word that's used in those two, two uh, words for fire. When he was warming himself, it wasn't a stick fire. It was a charcoal fire. When Jesus was asking him, do you love me, three times, it was a charcoal fire. Still don't get it until you understand the, the properties of a charcoal fire. A charcoal fire, unlike the other normal fires with sticks, put off a certain pungent odor. Now think of what Jesus is doing to Peter. He's setting him up before he even asks him the question. Peter, you denied me around this charcoal fire with this pungent smell, and I, I didn't make a stick fire on the beach before you got there. I made another charcoal fire. <laughs> smell familiar? Now let me ask you something, do you love me? Isn't that wild? That's just two words, you took some what? Some work and sweat blows you away. That's all over the scripture, that's what it said. The height of arrogance is to go into the scripture, oh, I hadn't read that before. Get into the languages, get into the customs, there's so much, it's dig out the nuggets that are there. There's so much that's in there. We'll never, even if God let us live to the long earth ages, uh, which will happen again, Lord willing, the millennial kingdom, uh, not Lord willing, it will happen, of the long ages, 969 years old back in the, the, the day, you're still not enough time to plumb the depths of the scripture. There's so much there, and it's all for our benefit, for our spiritual growth, our maturity, and to become more effective disciples for Jesus, but no, 60-second devotion. But Mary, did you get the number? You, Ron, could you get on the phone and do the GPS word that it's, we'll just give that out as practical good godly information later for, no. Take your time. Dig out the nuggets. Okay, let's continue on. He's always says: work and sweat. Okay, out of the scripture do the same. A, the gold mine of scripture yields its treasures to those who are committed to dig deep. And guess what? Can I tell you something? That takes time. Okay? It takes time. We're all busy. Anybody ever get so busy in life that you're sitting there and you're actually tapping your fingers on the microwave waiting for it to zap your instant coffee? Come on. That's busy. I've been there. Still there. <laughs> but we're so busy. We're just like, and for some reason, the one thing we don't want to short circuit and shorten, it's our relationship with God, but it's, it seems to be the first thing to go, isn't it? And what happens? Another day happens, and you start getting, it's always just little by little. Next thing you know, uh, Not as it's just, wow, where'd that joy go? Where's that where's that strength I had? Where's that where's that zeal to witness to the lost? And where's we just slowly get out of that. Don't get unplugged from that. Although the Bible is is one book in its continuity, it's made up of 66 individual books, all written by different men in different situations for different reasons and different time periods. Thus we should begin our study by dealing with the one book at a time. Well, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Or, I will throw this. It's not in the notes. uh, I had a chronological Bible. I told you guys before I did that for a couple years. I read through it, but uh, I couldn't stand the pressure anymore. I had to just, I had to keep on track because I wasn't going to make it in a year. Because that's what this whole thing, I bought this for. So anyway, but I did it for a couple years. And now I just go however long it takes. uh, But the one thing neat about that chronological Bible is once you hit the Gospels, it put them all together Chronologically. Now, that's really fun, and that really pops out certain things, because the Gospels, you know, some of them will contain all of them. Uh, three of them might contain something, but one of them might have a little nugget that wasn't shared in the other two, okay? And, but when they're all put together in harmony, wow, you read all in one shot as one big giant Gospel, all things start popping out. It's really cool. So, But anyway, let's start with one, whether it's one of the Gospels, whether it's uh, all of them put together as one, uh, or an epistle. An epistle, of course, Larry, is uh, the daughter of an apostle, no, I know you're thinking that, but uh, nice try. No, that's that means letter. It's one of the letters of Paul or John or Peter or something like that. Uh, would be the best which, uh, which to start. After you pick a book, and that's the whole thing, just pick one. Something. Okay? And study it daily in your quiet time. Okay? Next page. Read repeatedly. The starting point uh, is to read the book that you have chosen through several times. Okay? I'll even back it up. Again, if a verse pops out at you when you're reading it, stop. Stop at that verse and read that verse several times. Chew on it, think on it, pray about it. God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what's going on? Uh, Is this what, you know, and just stop, but several times, okay? But even if you are doing a book, read through that several times. If it's a shorter book, try to read it through uh, each day for a week in one setting. Now, that's really effective. Take the book of Philippians. You know, what do you got, four chapters there? Read that thing. One day, take your time. Read it again the next day. I guarantee by the next week, and that's what he's going to say here, man, you're starting to really get a good flavor of the whole thing of Philippians. Now, that's important because what happens is that forces you to keep it in context, okay? Okay, and now you're starting to understand what's going on in this whole book so that when you do work at application, You're doing it correctly, okay? The starting point is to read it through several times. If it's shorter, read it each day for a a week in one setting. You'll be amazed at how quickly you understand the overall thrust of the book. Also, each time, you will see something different that you did not see before, okay? And again, it's a relationship. It's a personal thing. This is a natural thing. It's like, well, man. I haven't read the Bible in a while anyway. Now I'm feeling guilty because of Wednesday night. Pastor Billy keeps making fun of that 60-second devotion. I guess I'm going home and throwing mine away. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. And, so then, anyway. and so now i am going to read the Bible. Now he's saying I got to read it several times. Come on. Well, it's natural, right? Hey, if, if you guys got a uh, uh, love letter from your spouse, they're out of town, been out of town for a month, what do you do? Just read it once? Well, this, I did my duty. <laughs> Maybe in a healthy relationship, uh, you might read it at least a few times. You know, this third time you go, oh, oh, that, wow, they, I, I didn't pick up on that that first time. They were, they said that, wow. I mean, it's like I emailed Kenny uh, when I was on vacation. I'll guarantee you, man, he was, he's probably he read that thing fifteen times. <laughs> yes, preachers can dream, Tom. Uh, he didn't even reply, but that's okay. <laughs> but no, seriously, but we, this is a natural thing. If we have a relationship, you take your time, take your time, read it, read it again, read because what's the whole point? Application. I want to know what's going on here. I want to know it correctly. I don't want to know this wrongly. I want to get the heart of the matter, okay? It's the same thing. Ask preliminary questions is the next thing. After you've read it through several times, start to record the answers, okay, that you see there and, and uh, from the test to the following preliminary questions. It's good to keep a notebook to record all your observations. You've got a little notebook there. Uh, I've got these little things that I scratch on. Uh, me personally, some use margins. Do whatever you can, Okay. Now, here's some questions you need to ask as you're dealing with this. Who is the author? Who's writing this? That, that'll determine a lot. Okay. Here's another one. What are his circumstances at the time of writing? Okay. Mention the book of Philippians. This is huge. Radically changes the way you should approach that book. If you would just ask this question, what's the circumstances? Who's the author, Paul? And what his are his circumstances when he's writing this? Well, a couple things. Uh, number one is he's writing this. Now, what's the, first of all, what's the theme of going on in Philippians? There's a lot of things he covers, but there's some, some large uh, elements that he's talking about there. He's talking about lots of joy. Anybody want to experience joy? Okay, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, he's talking about contentment. Okay, right? Learn the secret of contentment through Jesus Christ. I can do all them, uh, things through him. It strengthens me. And then he also talks about, <laughs> isn't this cool? We have God's divine permission to never be anxious about anything. And if you don't want to be anxious about anything, just by prayer uh, in petition, uh, present your request to God at anything. Just pray. Isn't that awesome? I remember the first time it dawned on me. Did you know we have divine permission from God? We don't have to worry. You ever think about that? God told us, do not worry about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about anything. Just pray to God. He'll take care of you. He knows what he's doing. He loves you. You're his child. That's all you got to do. Anxious, worry, it's the exact same word I believe in the Greek there. And I think we talked about this before, but it's merimonao in the Greek there. And it means consumed with self. That's a nugget. Got that out of Vine's expository years back. Consumed with self. And you think about worry, you think about anxiety. Isn't that exactly what we're doing when we get anxious and we worry? We're consumed about our self, our situation, our self, 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 self. We've lost sight of God. Who says, don't do that. You don't have to do that. I'm giving you permission. In fact, it's a little stronger there. He uses the words, do not. Okay, which which means that it's the same things like, do not steal, do not murder, do not commit adultery, right? And we oh, of course, yeah. But then for some reason, when it comes about worrying all the time, do not do that. Well, I, I just, it's just the way my family is. We're Irish. <laughs> it's what we do. Anybody Irish in here? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, we come up with some like a uh, history excuse, right? Well, I, or here's one I, I have to worry because if I don't worry, nothing will ever get done. Somebody's got to worry about this. No, you don't have to worry at all. Now, here's the thing. When you worry about your life, when God says do not do it, I mean, it's a comfort to know that we don't have to because he says don't do it and he'll give us the ability to do it if we just do what he says to do, okay? That almost sounds like Dr. Seuss. But anyway, that's right. And, uh, but we don't have to do it, okay? But when we do... God says, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. You seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. All these things be added unto you, but you still do it. What are you doing? Saying, God, you're not good. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to take care of me. Because we're more consumed with ourself instead of what the word of God says and God and his promises. I didn't say be easy. You just pray. Cast all your anxiety, all your cares upon me, God says, because I care for you. I know what I'm doing. I got a good plan. It's a study we've been on for many weeks. Why do bad things happen to God's people? He's got great, uh, wise reasons. Okay, so that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about joy. He's talking about contentment. He's talking about you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to worry. Now listen, what is the question there? What are the circumstances of this writing? Paul writes this. <laughs> it was awesome. I don't know how he pulled it off. It must have been some grand church offering or something or pastors' uh, or apostles' appreciation day or something because he was doing this on vacation in Hawaii. Uh, He was writing this in jail for serving Jesus Christ. Not because he did something illegal, something wrong, something immoral. Illegal in man's eyes, maybe, but not God's. He was serving Jesus Christ. Oh, and by the way, the jails back then did not have cable. They didn't have all the amenities that we have today. Back then, the typical Roman jail was basically a hole in the floor, typically. Maybe, if you were fortunate, they'd throw some straw down for you to get on, And uh, then the rats were for free, apparently. And uh, that's it. And what's he writing about? Joy. Don't be anxious. He's in a pit with rats. I've learned to be content, man. I've had plenty, had hardly anything. The secret's through Jesus Christ. In a pit. Don't be anxious in a pit. Now, when you read through that book, doesn't that change it? Adds a whole lot more to it, doesn't it? Because you took the time to ask preliminary questions. Now, notice again, what's the issue? It takes time to do this. You'll never even think about asking preliminary questions. You won't even think about going into the original language. You won't even think about, man, is there? what else is going on here, God? If you just, oh, I just got to get this thing done. Take your time. Ask these questions. You're going to get a lot more out of it. Uh, Who are the recipients Okay, it's another question. What can you learn from about them? Are they Jew? Are they Gentile? Are they wealthy or poor or ect? Still haven't found ect. Maybe I'll try Lowe's next week. I haven't found it. Uh, from where was the book written? Okay, when was the book written? Uh, does, uh, Paul, the pastoral epistles, most likely were towards the end of Paul's life. Church history says that he was decapitated, uh, uh, which is the high-tech word for getting your head chopped off, uh, for being a Christian about 67 AD. okay. Now, uh, a lot of Christians were being uh, crucified uh, and things of that nature. Paul was a Roman citizen, so you that was illegal in the Roman society, so they had his head chopped off. So towards the end of Paul's life, uh, he's, uh, some believe he's writing the, the, the pastoral epistles, First and 2 Timothy and Titus. Uh, Paul's poor, now, that changes everything. He knows this very well could be his last words to these young men in ministry who's literally going to be taking his place. He's pouring his guts out. That changes the whole theme of reading those books, doesn't it? Okay? And the same thing possibly even with Philippians going on. Uh, does the book give any indication uh, of the reason it was written? Are there any problems to be addressed? Okay? As you can see there. Uh, and then, uh, man, let's uh, we'll get uh, Gospels. This is, I'll, give you, I'll give you this one. This is important to understand. The Gospels, when you read through the Gospels, you need to understand the time frame of the Gospels. Okay? The Gospels are in the New Testament, but they're still under the Old Covenant. Jesus, the church has not been born yet. That doesn't happen until Acts chapter 2. So when you read through the Gospels, even though they're in the New Testament, you need to understand, read them with the Old Covenant in mind. Jesus has come, not as he said, to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. But when he be, lived the perfect life, i.e. obeyed the law to the T live the perfect life to become the perfect sacrifice for us. As Paul says, he nailed it to the cross. We're no longer under the old law, the old covenant. We're now under the new covenant. So when you read the gospels uh, uh, through there, you have to keep that in mind because people will go into the gospels and even though they're in the New Testament and say, well, that's what a New Testament Christian has to do. Mm-mm. Jesus in the gospels went to the temple. Okay. Jesus in the Gospels, it's recorded, they were still doing animal sacrifices. Do we do that today? Well, it's there in the New Testament. might seem like nuances, but you need to keep these things in mind because this is how people twist and pervert and contort the Scripture and come up with yet another denomination, yet another false teaching because they don't keep these things in mind. Same thing with the book of Acts. Acts is a historical book. Acts is a transitional book that goes from the Old Testament to... The gospel is Jesus going to the cross. Acts chapter 2, the church is born. And then they are living the transition to the New Testament that we have 2,000 years of hindsight and the whole New Testament to read. They didn't have that. They're living it. That's why, and this is where some of this false teaching comes from, that people say that you need a second dose of the Holy Spirit because they'll take a look at passages in the book of Acts and then they will say, uh, well, see, right there, they had apparently become Christians, but they didn't receive the Holy Spirit until the apostles came and laid hands on them, right? That is what the Bible says. But this is the transition. God was doing a unique work because these people needed to understand they don't have the 2,000 years of hindsight that you and I do that of Old Testament, New Testament. They were living it as it was happening. And all their lives, it was all Old Covenant. So how is God going to demonstrate that this is real and it's a new way of life in Jesus Christ? Well, he's giving proof. And part of that proof was people didn't get the Holy Spirit until the apostles came and established their authority that this is true, this is real, these people are really Christians, and God uh, uh, gave them the Holy Spirit at that point. Now, the difference, and but as you see as throughout the, the Acts and then Paul's epistles where it picks up on, you never see that again. Why? Because that's a transitional historical book as they were living it. When you and I as a New Testament Christian are, are saved, we are instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. We are instantly, permanently sealed by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Now, we can grow in more as we yield and deny ourselves. The Holy Spirit has more control over us. I'll grant that. But we don't get, you know, like the haves and have-nots. You're like, well, I've got more of the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. If you're a born-again Christian, we've all got the Holy Spirit. The challenge, therefore, is not getting more of the Holy Spirit. The challenge, therefore, is the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Do you see all that? There's a whole huge mass of false teaching on that just because of a misunderstanding and applying of the Scripture. Let's continue on. Outline the book. At this point, you may want to try your hand at outlining that book. There's no better method to push you to look at the context. Context is your next blank there. Of the overall book. If you have a Bible that's already outlined, you may want to purchase one without outline divisions and try your hand at it before looking at the way uh, the author of your Bible chose to outline the book. Okay? Now, be careful not to depend on the chapter divisions, as these were not part of the original text, but were added in the 14th century. Sometimes a single subject will cover uh, two or three chapters. Okay, I've actually done that before. J.B. Phillips' translation. I uh, like that one. It's uh, very accurate to the Greek, uh, and uh, it's more of a Greek paraphrase, but it's a, a, a good one. My Greek instructor turned me on to that one. And with that one, the older versions... Uh, that you, I had one, I gave it away, The scroll got saved in jail, so if she needed a Bible, she so got rid of that one. Anyway, but uh, uh, the older versions of that, he did just that. In his translation, he didn't put chapter headings, and he didn't even put the verses. He kept it as a letter. Now, as wild as that seems, that radically changes the way you approach it. You read it like a letter. Because the funny things about our brain is when we see a chapter, we say, stop, next chapter, new thoughts. Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. My 60 seconds are up. Ding. No, you don't chop it up. You read it like a letter. He didn't even put the verses in there. It's because we'll even do micro chops with the little verses. And it forced you to read the whole thing like it was intended to be, like a letter. So so keep that in mind, okay, as you approach it. Uh, You might want to consider something like that as a resource. Study the paragraphs. Uh, After outlining the book, the next step is to study the book paragraph by paragraph. The main unit... It's the next two blanks there. The main unit of thought in the Bible is the paragraph. In each paragraph, the author has a central idea. Central is your next blank there, the subject. And it's saying something about the central idea, the complement. How many guys thought you were actually done with English Grammar 101? Praise God, it's back. Okay, uh, as we observe, we should notice and record this what things are emphasized in that paragraph, what things are repeated. I gotta stop and kick this one for a little bit. What things are repeated? That's right, Joyce. What things are repeated? Okay, now you're waking up. All right, uh, here's what, something. The general rule in scripture is something is repeated. It's basically God saying, "Hey, now you're really awake." That's an old technique. Listen up. I really want you to. Un- I want you to understand all of the Bible, but this is really important. Okay, that's the Chrome translation. I'm bringing it down for you. That's the, you're trying to avoid the theological terminology there. That's what's going on. That's the basic Bible interpretation. When you see something repeated, it's there for emphasis. Let me give you an example. God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. Holy, guys, you are catching on. You are awesome. Okay, now, here's the importance of that. The Bible, that's just one attribute of God. God, The Bible says God is love. God, of course, is just. He is righteous. But that is the only attribute of God, holiness, that is repeated three times. Do you think that's my chance? No. Praise God he's love. Praise God he's just. Praise God he's sovereign. But God, it's almost like he says, if there was only one you can get of me, That's the whole central theme. Why in the world is there judgment upon sin? Why is there a hell? Why did my son have to come and die in your place for your sins? Why is heaven so mind-blowing after you guys rebelling against me? Because he is holy. He is holy. He is holy. Is it being repeated? Okay. Let me give you another example. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's turn there and we'll close with that tonight. Hebrews chapter 13. This is one of my favorites. This is another little Greek thing that popped out. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. That's why AJ makes the coffee every morning. Right, Chesity? Because Hebrews. That's right. Ha ha ha. It's not enough time. Uh, yeah, yeah, it won't be the last you hear that one. But anyway, that's right. Uh, Hebrews 13. Let's take a look. Let's start. Grab the context. Let's do some Bible study. Let's grab the context. First one says this, keep on loving each other as brothers. What? Christians are supposed to like each other? Not like, you're supposed to love. Right? What a concept. And do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Woo! That's kind of interesting. Right? Wow. Okay. And uh, he says this, and he says, uh, continue on. Now, notice he's talking about behavior. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and that's how tight we are. Man, we're hanging out with each other. We're loving each other. If we have another Christian who's in crisis, we're right there. We're a family. That's what he says we need to be doing. Okay? And he says, uh, and those who are mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering. Yeah, you might not be going through that, but they are. Don't you care? Then he says this, marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed uh, kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. Okay? Okay? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. Can I translate that? I thought about this on the way down here as I saw it go up yet again. Don't worry about the economy and the gas prices that go up every 14 seconds lately. (laughs) Why? Because God has said this. Okay? Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And because of that verse... Here is my uh, ver- verbiage. So I say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Wow, that's encouraging. God will never leave us nor forsake us. And yeah, that's a triumphant statement. Once you realize that, pff, this is awesome. I say with confidence, God's my helper. Pff, chump change, I don't care what's going on. Economy, man, suffering. People want to me. Yeah, whatever, who cares? Woo-hoo. Can I tell you what's really going on in the Greek? And it really adds to why he's saying with confidence. Listen to what God is saying in that passage if you do your homework. Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself, this is what the literal Greek says. For he himself, God, has said, and the statement is on record. Now that's radically different. That's God saying emphatically. This is on record. I'm saying this. God is saying this. It's on record. You can bank on it. Now, listen, it's not just I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you. Here's literally what it says. I will not, I will not cease to sustain you and uphold you. I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. It's a double negative followed by a triple negative. And so it's not just I will not, you have to continue to translate properly. That's literally what God says in that passage. No wonder the guy says, so I say with confidence, God's going to help me. Why? Because he says, I will not, I will not cease to sustain and uphold you, and I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. Thank you. But it happens when you realize we have a personal relationship with God we need to be in Bible study, but you've got to take the time. And when you take the sufficient time and quiet your time and, and give yourself time that if something pops out, to start to do the investigation. Whoa, God, what are you trying to tell me? What's going on in this verse? And it'll radically change your walk with just one verse. People say, I don't get much out of Bible study. It's boring. Maybe it's because you lost this mindset. I'm excited about Bible study. This is, what's ooh, God, what's going to happen today? And that's my own study, not study for preparation for this class or for Sunday's sermon. My own study. I need my own study with Jesus Christ. We all do, okay? I'm telling you, you get much more out of it. I will not, I will not cease to sustain or uphold you. I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. That's from God. That's our Father. So we need to start saying with confidence, who gives a rip about the gas prices or the economy? I'm excited about Jesus. He's going to take care of me. I don't need to worry. I don't need to be anxious. Hmm, Man, he's going to do some good things. Hey, that should be somewhere in the Bible. Hey, it is, AJ. Good question. But hey, let's go ahead and let's close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at seven zero two four five two eight five nine nine, or email us at bkrone at com, or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.